Welcome to The Mental Podcast, the official podcast of mentalhealthmedia.org. I am your host, Jesse Zookman, and on The Mental Podcast, we talk about mental health from a holistic perspective. Today, um, I have my personal doctor on the show, uh, Dr. Kim Selmer. Dr. Selmer is a naturopath practicing here in Seattle, Washington. Dr. Selmer and I talk about the low-hanging fruit Um, the simple treatments that can really make a huge impact in somebody's recovery from depression, but a lot of doctors don't really address, at least not most conventional doctors. Dr. Selmer talks to us about why paying attention to your diet is just so important when recovering from depression. And we also talk about strategies to holistically treat depression when you are just so depressed you cannot even get out of bed. Before we jump into our conversation with Dr. Selmer, um, a quick reminder to not change anything on your treatment plan um, based on any of the content on mentalhealthmedia.org, this podcast, or any of our videos. You really need to talk to your mental health provider before you make any changes to your treatment plan. If you like the show and want to support us, head over to mentalhealthmedia.org where you can make a tax-deductible contribution today. And with that, I bring you Dr. Kim Selmer. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I feel good. <laughs> We're here. I think that says a lot. I know. We've got something going. It's been a while. it's been quite a while. It's been a while. We've been talking about doing this for uh, a couple of years, and now I'm well enough to actually Which is great. be talking to my doctor about uh, what she does. Yeah, exactly. So what does an ND do? You know, there's a lot of people out there. They don't really know what an ND is all about. Well, what ND stands for is naturopathic doctor. So um, we refer to ourselves as naturopathic physicians or a naturopath. You know, in in the United States, not every state is even licensed to have naturopathic physicians uh, working in those states. So I think right now we're up to maybe 18 states or so. It doesn't mean there aren't naturopaths practicing in those states, but they're not as well recognized. So they are few and far between. But our training is very similar to how a family practice doctor is trained. Um, We study all the basic core medical school sciences, but the difference is we look at a lot more alternative approaches to health and wellness and disease. So we end up utilizing a lot more, you know, vitamins, minerals, herbs. We do a lot of lifestyle and dietary counseling. And we do, in most states, have prescription rights. So we can and do prescribed medications, and we will do that when necessary. But our real philosophy and goal is to really try to support your body's own healing process and those various methods before going to medications. Or, you know, if someone's on medications, trying to help mitigate maybe some of those side effects or help those medications work better for them. So all of the above, really. And um, you guys do know a bit more about certain things than than other doctors. Well, I mean, why why would someone want to come see an ND, especially with uh, mental health? Someone with depression, why should they consider seeing a a naturopathic doctor? Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot more to, you know, mental health than just, you know, the classic antidepressant prescription or antipsychotic or mood stabilizer. Uh, There's so much more to it. And, And a lot of my practice has been seeing patients who, you know, have been told they need to go on medications, they don't quite want to do that yet, um, or patients that want to get off medications and they, they, maybe they're having problems with them or side effects and they want to get off of those and see if they can do something different, or patients who are on medications and they maybe need to stay on them for whatever reason and need help, 
making those medications work better for them. Um, the All of the other aspects of looking at someone's health in relation to mental health and mood include everything from proper nutrition, because we, we've known this for a long time that even bipolar can be triggered by blood sugar dysregulation. So that's a nutritional issue uh, as far as at least eating properly, uh, minimally. Uh, and so many of our neurotransmitters in our brain are, you know, how do we make those? We make those out of amino acids and those come from protein. So there's a lot of nutritional things that we need to think about. And certainly, um, you know, like we've talked about before, when you don't feel well, it's really hard to even think about what kind of food you want to eat um, or what kind of food you could eat or should eat. So that's one thing. And we also know too, that uh, with, with things like any sort of mental issue now, whether it be depression or any other issue, there's a big link to inflammation. And so managing the inflammatory process in the body is important for mood. So it's not just about taking a medication. You're, you can maybe get some short-term help from that. And certainly it can get some people at least out of the ditch enough to function enough to maybe look at some of these things. But it doesn't mean that's the only option for them. And it doesn't mean that's where they have to stay, just on the medications. It took me so long to realize that eating made a difference. And I've been tortured just by about everybody I know that's worked with me intimately about how my mood is interrupted by not eating. And my father will say it, my bosses will say it, and my supervising producers will be like, oh, watch out for Jesse, you better get him some lunch. Or Yeah, like that Snickers bar commercial. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the thing. It is like that, only it's way more serious if you have a serious mental illness. Oh, it's yeah. not just like a cheeky joke, like not eating enough or eating the wrong things where you know, you're eating too much sugar or you're just eating garbage or you're not eating at all. Right. Cause you're hypo, like I would be hypomanic. So I would be like, I don't need to eat. And then by three o'clock I would be like in a rage, Yeah. which you could, you know, which was enough of enough of a story to tell a psychiatrist to be put on a serious cocktail of meds just from not eating. Right. And no, and, and you know, that's not, that's not where a psychiatrist looks typically they're going to look at your symptom picture and they're going to match it up to whatever diagnosis they think it is and whatever medication that works for and not really think about, okay, what's going on, you know, what's going on here with your diet? Let's figure this out. I mean, there are some that might do that, but generally speaking, that's, that's, they don't have enough time to do that with you. Basically, that's not how it is these days. It's sort of, there's this exchange of, you know, prescription and information and then you're on your own basically. And I should say, I did get a referral to you by a psychiatrist who just said, look, I don't know, something else is going on here. Right. You need, and, and she actually said, I, I want to go see her again. Like, and she's like, you should go see Dr. Selmer. Yeah. Because um, there's something, I, I, she's going to be able to help you. Just get the consult. And then, you know, it was a slow process. I started feeling a little better, a little better, a little better. But yeah, we found there was a lot more going on that if I had just been taking meds for, for the rest, I mean, could have been just taking meds for the rest of my life. Right. And, and I think that that's interesting you say that as far as just, it takes a while. Um, you know, there has to be progress, you know, in this process of working with a naturopath, but there's also got to be patience because you, you've got to allow the body to start to make changes. And so 
it's layer after layer. Okay, what do we do first? What do we do next? Okay, what is this layer showing us? And and so it's really also about, you know, we do some we did some functional medicine testing, which is testing that's not your classic, you know, looking for anemia or diabetes or whatever. They, we really look more at functionality, uh, and that helped us understand what direction we should take things. And then our intervention, we watch how you respond, make sense of what that means, watch you, how your response is, look at the labs and make some decisions around that. And then it just starts to lead the way. And, and that's what I mean by the layers start to open up. And then we follow what presents. And understanding what that means, yeah. And then are you able to get people off of meds in that process or keep them from going on? Or how does that work? All of the above, really. Um, you know, a, a lot of patients will come and they've been told by their, you know, by their psychologist or their counselor that they should consider going on medications. And there are enough people that are somewhat resistant to that or know enough about that that maybe they just are fearful of doing that. And so we start the process of working on doing some functional testing, looking at nutrition, looking at maybe things that haven't been looked at yet that may be easy, easy things to look at, um, and start the process of working on nutrition, supplementation, you know, stress management, whatever we need to do. And then depending on how they respond, many times we don't even need to go to medications. There are, yeah, go ahead. What, what are some of those low-hanging fruit of like that people don't expect that can actually cause depression? Oh my gosh, well, endocrine is a big one, you know, and that that is, can be simply thyroid. And um, many people may have had may have you know some sort of mood issue and have had said, well, I had my thyroid checked and it was normal. Most doctors will only look at one aspect of thyroid and say, oh, it's normal. When actually, if you look at the deeper layers. It's not so normal, and there really is something going on with the thyroid, or at least with some thyroid hormone receptor sites or thyroid hormone um, conversion of hormones to the active form, those sort of things. And you can't see that with your just general thyroid panel. So that's low-hanging fruit. We always check that out. And, and a lot of psychiatrists won't even do any blood work. Like, even if you have Addison's disease or, like, some real adrenal, thyroid, HPA axis, like, full-on malfunction, right. they could miss it, right? right? Oh, yeah, how, how is that possible? Like, it seems absurd that you could be put on Prozac for the rest of your, or an antipsychotic for the rest of your life for, you know, for a completely different disease. I know. It's, it's, it's unfortunate that I think the diagnostic pathways, you know, or I should say the diagnostic, um, yeah, the diagnostics that, that are, are just not done these days, really. It's just more quick. I think doctors are under a lot of pressure, especially in certain situations to see a certain number of patients because of insurance guidelines and how they get paid for and what they get paid for. And that I don't think that even is in their realm anymore. They expect the primary care doctor to do that. So there's several different people doing things and no one's minding the store really and looking at the basics. Um, I, and that reminds me of a patient, you know, I had a patient who was put on Prozac for fatigue, was told it was depression. And we finally just started looking through her labs and something just didn't seem right about her blood levels. And, um, we ended up diagnosing her with celiac disease. It was celiac disease, which is a, which is a gluten sensitivity. She didn't have any of the classic celiac symptoms, but 
something just didn't make sense. And, and that's what a naturopath has, is they take the time, they have the time to really dig in and look at someone's history and look at what's been going on with them and, and start to try to solve the mystery. But yeah, I mean, back to the thyroid, it's low-hanging fruit. Um, you know, anemia or low iron levels can be low-hanging fruit. Um, low B vitamin status, having, having the wrong nutrients. You know, I, I, a lot of people have heard of this different genetics that people are doing now with the 23andMe and all these other things. And some of those um, maybe won't give you a whole lot of information, but some of those genes can actually help us understand different things about how you process B vitamins, how you keep dopamine in your frontal lobe of your brain, which is important for focus and concentration. Motivation. Uh, and motivation and all of those things. So we can get some clues now with some of the genetics and... I don't think you're going to see many psychiatrists doing that. Although there are panels for psychiatrists to do, um, but they just don't pick that stuff up that easily. I just read an article in Neuroscience News this week that uh, inflammation and dopamine, big connection, more inflammation, less dopamine, less motivation. I mean, classic depression symptoms, can't get out of bed, can't do your homework, this, that, and the other thing. If someone, how do you know if someone has, if that's their problem and how do you work on that? Right. If, you mean if it's an inflammation base? That's a tricky one because there are blood tests to look for inflammatory markers. Um, but unless you really have quite a bit of inflammation going on, they often don't show up positive. So it's more about us looking at things. Uh, I, I do some urinary neurotransmitter testing where we can actually look at urinary dopamine levels and look at some other things and, and get a sense of what's going on. But pretty much... All of my patients with mood disorders were working on some level of controlling inflammation because we know across the board, if you don't control for overall inflammatory responses in the body, you're going to have a hard time getting better. And usually that has to do with balancing the inflammatory platform in the body anyway, because we need to inflame. We need to be able to do that when you're ill, when you're injured, but you also need to be able to control that. And having the nutrients and the ingredients to make the factors that help you control that. And really that comes down to different fats in our diet, mainly the omega-3 fats, which we just don't get that much of in our diet. And specifically uh, fats from fish oil, which really support a lot of brain tissue, cell membranes and that sort of thing. So um, we're probably already there if there's, you know, the inflammatory piece around dopamine. But then we start looking at signs and symptoms. We have to pick, you know, put that together. What medications has that patient been on and what has, what have those medications resulted in? Knowing how those medications work, we can then say, all right, that probably means this. doesn't mean we go to that medication, but we understand what that meant so that we can use that as a information to help guide us. And then doing some testing to look at dopamine levels. There's a gene we can look at, uh, like I said before, that helps us understand, you know, how you keep dopamine in the frontal lobe that may make us want to do some different things with different types of amino acids to help improve that. So many things like that. I have a buddy who has been struggling with depression for years and years was a child. We were childhood asthmatics together was on prednisone for 15 years. Wow. And I finally sent him to a naturopath. They did, you know, his psychiatrist didn't do any blood. None of his doctors did, you know, a full endocrine test. They showed not just a little bit off, but like a lot 
I mean, I don't know the, what the test was exactly, but like whatever that whatever that molecule is that prednisone um, is cortisol cort- levels. right. Cortisol yeah. was just in the toilet, and it's like no kidding. Right. And of course that makes sense. Yeah. You know, like throughout all of puberty, he was on high amounts of steroid. So, I, I mean, how, how, how many, it just, it, it makes me sad that so many people go through so many years and it doesn't have to be necessarily a this or that. It doesn't have to be no. medication or not medication. It's just, wouldn't you want to know if there's something really simple that you could do that would help even if it's 20%? Wouldn't you want to know if you need vitamin B, you know? Yeah. I mean, and, and, and even that 20% can get you out of bed so you can pursue the next 20%. You know, so, you know, even if someone says, well, 20% is not that much, it actually can be a lot to get you to the next step. So, yeah. And, and adrenal, you don't even have to be taking steroids for, you know, most of your adolescence or childhood to have adrenal dysfunction, which is where, where we're talking about when we talk about cortisol. We're talking about the adrenal gland, which is our stress gland, and cortisol plays a big role in our sleep-wake cycle and, um, you know, energy and all that. And just chronic and acute stress over time without proper rest time, without proper nutrition can result in something like what your friend had is a very low cortisol level. And that, that can really be a problem for some people. All right. So what do people have to do? They're all stressed out. They're inflamed. What are some of the protocols? I mean, you talked yeah. a little bit about yeah. one. Um, stressed out and inflamed. I mean, I can't say enough about, you know, the power of omega-3 fats. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and really, especially the kind that come from a good quality fish oil. Uh, and because you can get omega-3 fats in things like, um, you know, flax oil and walnuts and, and other foods, but uh, fish contain a couple specific types of omega-3 fats that quite a bit of your brain tissue is made up of. So when we look at the research on you know anything from mild mood disorders all the way up to severe schizophrenia, you know age-related cognitive decline, we see research that shows benefit on all those levels. So uh, I'm a big fan of that. And you just have to be careful about what kind you're getting so you're getting a good quality. Because they're fragile, right? They can be. Uh, you know, they can be, go, they can be rancid. And that is a problem. But also, you can get, you know, a fish oil that has excipients in it, like, you know, dioxins, mercury. Most of the companies are really good about screening for that, but there are some that are better than others. And... There, you know, there's some good quality ones out there. And, and really, I always say to my patients, the most expensive supplement is the one, you know, it's, it's the one that you bought that was cheap, that doesn't do anything for you and might cause harm. So going for the cheapest option out there is often not a good idea because you could be doing more harm than, than good. So and I don't also, also at the same breath don't want to say because something's expensive that it's good, but often the very good quality stuff is not going to be really inexpensive. What about the middle of the road? Mm-hmm. Is that bad or like now vitamins well, and things you like that? You know, um, there are some, you know, um, I don't know, can we talk about brands and stuff like that? Yeah, okay. sure. Um, as far as, you know, stuff you can get, you know, kind of general, I mean, you get a lot of stuff on the internet now, but there, there's a brand called Nature's Way that's pretty well known. I mean, I think it looks like a little green leaf and it has a little word Nature's Way on the logo. Definitely less expensive. It's, It's a less expensive brand, but, but the parent company of that is, is, um, 
Schwabi North America, which is owned by a German pharmaceutical company. So they are on the pharmaceutical level as far as from the trickle down of how they, Their standards. you know, the manufacturing standards. So that's good. And then you have some good products out there. Like, um, I know that the, um, the company Thorn Pharmaceuticals or Nutraceuticals, they do, they always do a really good job. And I know they're, I believe now they are available to patients. So that is, um, probably some of the highest quality, I would say middle of the road to higher end. That's a, that pretty much anyone can order off the internet is, you know, and they have a lot of really good, really good products. But so I would say on the lower end nature's way, and then on a, on a good end, you know, as far as just general availability to anyone, those are some good, good quality brands. Yeah. So fish, what else should we be eating? People with depression, mood problems, what we've got uh, fish, what else? Yeah. Well, getting just a decent amount of protein in your diet. I mean, protein and good quality fats and fiber. And it's really the classic common sense, whole foods. It's not common sense to everybody though. Cause a lot of people haven't, you know, they grow up, uh, they grow up eating processed foods, but I mean, stuff that looks like it looked like when it grew that way, that's really, if, if, I mean, really the basic stuff, you know, a, a tomato that looks like a tomato, you know, <laughs> that, that sort of thing. So, um, but certainly having good quality protein is important because that's where you get these things called amino acids. And amino acids are these things that you use to make all of your neurotransmitters out of. And neurotransmitters are those signalers that, like serotonin and dopamine that we've been talking about, that's how we make them. We make them out of amino acids. Which is something I didn't realize until like somewhat recently. <laughs> Which, yeah. And, you know, people online, they know like, okay, you can get your neurotransmitters in a bottle from CVS, Right. But no one, like, and online, there's all these memes, like, I have a neurotransmitter deficiency, so I get them from a bottle. It's like, but you could get them from a piece of fish you could. as well. And you could. that doesn't seem, like, I don't yeah. think people really understand that, that that's how that works. That's how, that's how we make stuff. <laughs> the food we eat becomes who we are. Right. And the chemicals in our brain. Yeah. And if you're not eating that, you're not going to have enough. Right. And, and the fats that we eat affect how we produce hormones and, you know, hormones and the nervous system and the immune system, endocrine nervous system, they all actually speak to each other's language. So we have to think about the endocrine system, like we were talking about cortisol, which is a hormone, but, you know, estrogen and progesterone and testosterone, those all affect our mood too as do the neurotransmitters, and they all actually kind of can touch each other's receptor sites. So, you know, a, a whole foods diet is going to touch all of those things. And so what I mean by whole foods is, you know, having leafy greens, having vegetables, and having, you know, fresh fruit as much as you can, whole grains as much as you can. So this is like a Mediterranean yeah. diet is really, really what you're describing. Is. Yeah, I mean, and that's, and and although there's probably other diets that are, are great, um, the bulk of research far and beyond any other type of diet is on the Mediterranean diet on various aspects of health. So you're going to see the most research on that. And, and so that's really where we see a lot of benefit. I have a lot of friends who are vegan. Mm -hmm. What do you have to say to, I mean, you're talking healthy fats, mm -hmm. um, yep. a lot of protein. This doesn't sound like a vegan diet. Yeah. Uh, you know, it takes... Um, it takes a lot of attention to your diet to be a healthy vegan. I, I am not 
you know, someone who's, who's anti-vegan, but you really have to pay attention to your diet, um, to be a healthy vegan. And, and nowadays there's actually a, a lot of support out there, um, really adding in protein. There's a lot of, you know, pumpkin seed protein powders, there's hemp protein powders, there's pea protein powders. So you can get, you can beef up your protein amounts by supplementing, um, and getting, you know, higher levels of protein in your diet. If it, if it seems like you're just not getting it from trying to eat a vegan diet. And I really, the one thing that I think uh, vegans sometimes fall into if they're not really paying attention is just eating soy, 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 and having just one form of protein over and over again. Uh, so having different, different forms of protein. So they can do it. I think it just takes a little more attention. Uh, the one place where it's a little tricky is in the omega-3 fats. Now, yes, you can get omega-3 from chia seeds, from walnuts, from flax, and they're all omega-3s, which is going to be great for helping the inflammatory process as far as balancing that playing field. But the fats that I talked about that are found in fish oil, um, which is called EPA and DHA, those are the two that you really don't see in those plant fats very easily. So where we try to get at least the DHA is from algae. And that's debatable. Is algae a plant or an animal? Is <laughs> so, that, I didn't know that. So, so it's kind of in between. So, if, you know, um, I've had these conversations with some vegans, but I think really? most, of them, most of them are okay mm-hmm. with getting an algae extracted DHA. I mean, that's where the fish are getting it from, mm-hmm. right? They're eating algae, sure. they're getting these things. So, so you, can, you can do it. You can get that. But that's the one thing where you have to really kind of seek out that nutrient. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously vegans have to seek out B12 as well. Mm-hmm. You know, they usually have to supplement with that as well, but it just takes more attention. They just have to really pay attention. It's a, it's, it is easier to mm-hmm. eat some fish. It is easier, you know, mm-hmm. to, to eat some egg and some other things like that. There was a dogma. Like, I mean, I was vegan for six, four, I don't know how many years, a decade and a half. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, in the mid nineties, the mantra was, well, just eat a lot of different things and you'll be fine. And then everyone that I know, which is dozens of people, just ate a lot of pie and, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, sandwiches. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of that. And, you know, I feel like that is still like in the culture. Like, oh, I just eat a lot of different things. I eat a lot of different, you know. They think variety is the... That's what we were told for a long time. And I, I mean, I don't know. There's a new generation out there, right? So I'm just hopeful that, you know, people... Variety is great, but what is the variety? Like, yeah. you know, a variety of fruits and vegetables is so good for your health of your gut, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, we haven't even talked about, you know, bacteria in the gut and, and you know, brain function and the what we call the gut-brain axis and how much having healthy digestive function affects mood um, and affects brain function. And, and now there's questions, is it really the gut that's driving the brain or, or who's driving what? And, and is it those bacteria that live in our gut that are driving everything? So, um, but, you know, back to variety, it's actually, you know, variety of fruits and vegetables that really supports that, what we call the microbiome, which is, you know, all those bacteria that, that are so healthy for us. And what happens to that microbiome if you're eating a variety of Twinkies and Oreo cookies? Yeah, it gets decimated. I mean, it really, it shifts. We see dietary shifts, um, the microbiome, and you can start getting bacteria that just aren't creating what we want them to create, and it can drive more of an inflammatory process in that front, and then 
that can actually just affect, you know, complete, um, you know, inflammation everywhere else, you know, so. So if you're a person with severe depression, how much junk food should you be eating? None. <laughs> None. Uh, because and it's so hard not to, mm-hmm. you know, so I get that. I get that. But, uh, you, you know, I, I think that's where it, 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 it really makes sense to start working with someone who can help, help you do it. Mm-hmm. help you even figure out what to choose differently. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you choose differently? And, and it's easy mm-hmm. th- because then there's a whole thing is like, you don't even have the motivation or energy to prepare anything. So what can we do that is a different choice? That's easy. That will, that will be beneficial. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's what we do too. That's a, a really tough one. Cause you kind of need something that, like, on, I mean, I, I don't struggle like I used to, but now, you know, I have this Cuisinart steamer. This thing is a lifesaver because cool. I can get, I can take a piece of salmon from Trader Joe's, which is 10 bucks for like a, you know, a, two big slabs of it. Mm-hmm. I put it in there. You put it on for, put a lemon, a piece of ginger in there, turn it on for 20 minutes. And then, you know, then it's done and you just put that in the fridge and then I have protein in the morning, whenever, you know, and then I do the same thing, a whole bunch of kale, broccoli, cabbage, and then, you know, I steam that six minutes and the the Cuisinart steamer is like a microwave. It's that simple. You just got to clean it out. It's made all glass and steel. So, you know, when you're really depressed, I mean, for some people, the truth is that's going to be too much and you, you're going to need some help. And I don't know exactly that. Maybe that's another conversation. Well, I mean, one simple trick. So there's another thing I do because with, with patients like that, when, it, when, it's, when it's so difficult, we just tend to make just, just one thing. What is the one thing we can do? So I don't even say stop eating all your junk food. I say, let's crowd it out. Don't worry about the junk food. Let's add stuff in. And one thing, I mean, even talk to people who are just so busy, you know, my patients were just too busy to even really cook and, and they get these, they get these beautiful, you know, organic vegetable deliveries and then it just goes bad in their fridge and then they're guilty because they're throwing away all this beautiful vegetables that they let rot. Um, organic frozen vegetables. Mm-hmm. You can throw that in the microwave just as long as you don't put it in plastic, just put it in a glass dish with a, you know, with a plate on top. But, you know, you can just do that. And that is something that will start to get those phytonutrients or those plant nutrients in to start getting some momentum. And, and it's not going to go bad in your fridge. Sure. So you can just, oh my God, today I've, I didn't eat anything. I mean, I, I ate Twinkies, you know, whatever. Okay. I'm going to have a bowl of broccoli. Mm-hmm. And what about protein powder in a, in a, yeah. in a, if you're really short on time or you just feel really bad, mm-hmm. what, what about protein? Yeah. Powder? I mean, there's some great, there's some great there's some great stuff out there that you can get now at, at many of your different health food stores. That's just either a basic protein or even has some, you know, even some nutrients in it, like somewhat like a multivitamin and you could just do a meal replacement. Uh, you know, you got to watch the sweeteners and sugars in some of them, but, um, there's some really good quality stuff out there. And I literally, some of the stuff that, that I use with patients, you can just put water in a shaker cup, put the protein powder in there and shake it and it mixes pretty well and it doesn't taste terrible. And that's going to be better than like just having a bag of chips or yeah. a terrible TV dinner Absolutely. or on top or of... Or have that with your yeah. bag of chips. Yeah. You know, so I at mean, least then you get the neurotransmitters, the, the, you get the, the base material. Yeah, you, yeah. Get those base, you get that base material and, and, and you know, you'll get a lot more 
nutri- nutrition and, and, you know, but like I said, sometimes like I, we just have to crowd it out. I mean, I don't say drink your protein powder with a bag of chips, but you know, I get it where it, it it's so overwhelming to make big changes that we, we try to just do some small things and then build on that. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you can't get out of bed or you can, you're going to the bathroom. Maybe you could stop at the sink and mix up a protein powder. Which could make a difference, a difference. if that's if that's the problem, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so what you should eat, what I'm hearing from you, is protein, vegetables, fruits. Um, some whole grains. Some whole grains. Just some B vitamins in those whole grains. And, yeah. I'm not doing a lot of whole grains, yeah. Dr. Some of that. My, yeah. my stomach does not love whole grain. Well, some people, I mean, I'm talking generally speaking, you know, some people don't don't do well with, with that. And they pretty much eat, you know, kind of more of the, what, what we call paleo type diet. But, but, um, you know, I'm not anti, anti grains, but there are a lot of people that can't tolerate them. So, you know, there's some that some people can tolerate, you know, some quinoa or other things. And so. All right. So protein, fish, whole grains. Mm-hmm. What about red meat? What about red meat? Where are you at? Because like yeah. a lot of people are on this keto. Yeah. There's so much information on the internet now. That's yeah. like carnivore diet and yeah. raw meat and meat, meat, meat. Raw meat. <laughs> there is. There's a guy wow. on YouTube that's all about raw meat and he is very passionate wow. about the raw meat diet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I. You know, there is a place for certain types of diets. I mean... I don't know about raw meat, but as far as ketogenic, there's definitely research out there on um, the different ketones that we create when we go into a fat burning mode. That's what keto does. It puts you more into burning fat as fuel versus our predominant fuel that we burn as glucose. Um, And that's a mechanism that we have that we can do when there's lack of food, but you can actually induce that and get more of your body functioning on these things called ketones. Um, and that's that kind of diet has been around for a long time. It's been shown to be really helpful initially, many many years ago, for um, children who have who are having severe epilepsy and having hundreds of seizures a day. You get their brain running on ketones, their seizures get better. So that's really where that where that started. But then it's done a lot for weight loss. But people do find that their brain can function better when they're on ketones. A little bit more clarity, a little bit more mental energy. Um, but I think really um, staying that way all the time is really probably not a good idea. I think more people going in and out, being what we call keto adapted, uh, you know, eating some carbs, being out of ketosis, going back into ketosis. But I I don't think that's where you start. Right. You know, I think you start with just general nutrition, and then if there's some other things going on, maybe. That might be worth a try, but that's that's a few steps down the line um, from someone who's really not feeling well. I think they should probably start working with someone first and determine whether or not if you, if that's the right step for them. Right. But there is, there is quite a bit of research and, and different things showing that that um, ketosis can be really helpful for a certain, even up cancer cancer conditions and things like that too. So bipolar is one. But I mean, I tried it. I, I feel terrible. On I've yeah. tried, I've probably been on on a ketogenic diet for a year and a half of my life, and when I come off of it, I always feel so much better and stronger. But yeah. that said, so for some patients with bipolar disorder, they do really well on it. I've read, mm-hmm. and it's interesting because like we're prescribed Lamictal, which is an epilepsy med. Mm-hmm. And first, the studies were like with epileptic folks, and now people with a bipolar diagnosis. Uh, you know, that's just it's an interesting thing that that mechanism. Yeah, that's tr- fascinating. I'd have to I'd have to read a little more about 
more about that, but that's not, yeah, something I have a lot of, a lot of um, information on as far as my, my knowledge base on that. But I could see how, you know, ketogenic diet could be really helpful for all sorts of cognitive function issues and self-ignorance. So let's talk. So the, okay. So I, I found a study because I'm obsessed with this stuff. Okay. Because I'm I have a documentary, you know, research mind. Mm -hmm. Do you encourage your patients to do research on their own conditions? Because a lot of doctors don't. Do I encourage? I welcome it. I, I mean, I don't say go out and start reading all the information you can f read on this. But but if patients are interested, you as the patient have such a high interest. Hopefully in your health and your condition, that you're going to focus only on that. Whereas as a physician, we're reading articles on multiple different things. So we can't do as deep of a dive as you might be able to find. And, and, and I do welcome it from patients because sometimes they'll bring something to me where I'm like, oh, let's think about this. this I've not heard of this. This might make sense. Should we try this? Should we not? Let's look into this a little more and decide if it's worth a try for you. So, yeah, I do. Uh, and then I can also say, okay, this doesn't make sense because X, Y, and Z. Because as, as a layperson, you may not have all the background to, to you know, pick apart what this study is saying or, or how is it not relevant to you or, okay, yeah, but in or your case. Or if it's case, a bad study for a reason you don't understand. Study, yeah. yeah, yeah, those things. So, um, but I welcome it. I don't know if other practitioners do or not, but, you know as much help as we can get because we don't know everything. You know, we know a, a little piece of the pie of all of medicine. What we really know is a little piece of the pie. All the rest of the stuff is like, we think we, you know, we're not so sure we, we try these things. So there's, you know, a lot we don't know. I mean, and even in being in practice 20 years, I think it gets more humbling because the more you learn, the more you learn how much you don't know. Right. So, but that is so refreshing. I can't tell you. I've, I went to so many doctors and we're showing them newer science coming out of major academic institutions that to the best, you know, I'm talking Cambridge, I'm talking Stanford, you know, Harvard, etc. And I was met with like, like legitimate anger from some folks, right. from some doctors. Maybe it's an ego thing. I don't know. Um, but it's, it's not common. And I just want to say like, look, if you want to know if you have a really good doctor, if you bring them some information that looks like it specifically pertains to you, and they want to talk about it, that's a sign of a good doctor, in my experience. Yeah, I mean, I think they're open to really, you know, digging in and 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 either debunking it, you know, saying, okay, you know, no, this doesn't, this doesn't make sense for you. And why? And why? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not yeah. just, you can't Not believe everything. It, yeah. This is from the internet. You can't believe, I mean, I, that's what I got. There's a lot of good stuff on the internet. I mean, you can, you know, you can re you can research articles on the internet. You know, true, true research articles. Yeah. And if you but a guy eating raw meat, I don't know if that's. Good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's good. <laughs> well, how, right. Well, how do you tell? You know. Right. How do I mean? That's an honest question because I don't always know. I mean, I have looked at honestly. I've probably watched. 10 hours of, of videos about, you know, the carnivore diet. And to me, it seems like a very strong elimination diet that people just stay on. And then I'm like sweating because I'm scared that these people are going to get sick. You're right. But I can't tell. Well, anytime you eliminate large groups of food out of your diet, if you have some sort of, you know, these people that feel fantastic because they started eating raw meat, it could have been because they were sensitive to some other foods or having some inflammatory responses to some foods that they were reacting to. And they did, like you said, an elimination diet. 
and then they think it's because they ate raw meat mm-hmm. or whatever they're doing, you know, made them better. Um, but really, that's not it. It's just because they took out things that were maybe not right for their constitution or that they were reacting to in some other way. So, But how do you, I mean, people are looking for, for health advice. I'm going to put this on YouTube, so at least it's there. But, you know, young people are getting their health advice from YouTube. I know. How do you feel like? Where should they be looking? It's not a good idea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, um, that's a tricky one because I, I, you know, I think there's a, there are a lot of um, good health practitioners that are, that are health practitioners that actually have, you know, credentials and they have different, you know, podcasts or web interviews or things like that, almost like what we're doing here um, where you can probably glean some good information from, but Someone who's just had an experience of their own and and feels that that should be you know relevant to everyone else, that's hard and and that's where you should be discerning. Okay, yeah, that worked for you, but maybe we should run this by someone and and understand the you know whys and hows. You know, I mean, some stuff is probably not that harmful what some people are doing, but some of it can be. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's really the best. It's an amazing way to work because you know there's there's like nootropics forums that have a lot of information about amino acids and different things, and it's just I mean I've sent you I don't know how many articles and is this a good idea? Yes, no, try it. I don't know. Um, right. Yeah. You know, and that it wouldn't harm you. We can give it a try. And yeah. if you're dealing with like a severe mental illness or even a moderate mo- mental illness or really just any problem, I mean, if you're really anybody, but any chronic disease, yeah, yeah. you don't want to be just you know, sp- spinning the barrel, um, you know, figure out, you know, when you're trying new things. So yeah, true. I appreciate having a, a partner. And I, I mean, is that's that, really what you need, you right? know? And, and I think even people who are in areas where they just don't really have access to naturopaths or, or functional medicine doctors, you know, the, those are doctors who may be trained as, as, you know, MDs, but they've gone through some functional medicine training that, that, um, you know, expands their, their knowledge of looking at things from a systems approach and looking more deeply. Um, you, you might be able to find some help there, but also maybe there, you know, maybe there's some doctors that do, um, Skype consults, phone consults, you know, if they're just not in your area and you'll find some that will do that service as well. And I mean, how, this is, this is, you know, something I really want to talk about is finding a good doctor. Mm-hmm. Cause I have to tell you that my first experience with a naturopath was terrible. I went to this guy in upstate New York. I don't know what his training was. I think he was a chiropractor of some kind. Right. I didn't know, you know, I was 20, I don't know, must've been 27. I didn't know anything about medicine. I just knew I wanted to get to the root of a problem. So I schlepped up to wherever, you know, upstate New York to go see this guy. He put me on a, like an elimination diet where I was just eating a protein powder. The protein powder made me gain 10 pounds. I felt terrible. Oh my God. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. It was just a disaster. He didn't really seem to know what he was doing. Yeah. I mean, I think you can, I think you can find good and bad practitioners, on, you know, on all levels. And, um, you know, that, that is a tricky one, but, um, as far as naturopathic physicians, I think really because of, um, the limited, um, state licensure that we have, uh, one of the things too, is that, you know, in, in an unlicensed state, someone can just, you know, kind of get in maybe a degree off the internet and call themselves a naturopath. So, so looking for someone who came from an accredited school, that's, 
certainly, you know, has a has credentials from a from an actual legitimate school that exists. Right. In in reality. Right. <laughs> where they had to go for six years to get the degree and sit for boards and all of that. Even if they're not practicing in a state that licensed you through boards, they probably should have a license from a state. Interesting. So you if know. they're practicing in New York, they might, if they went to Bastyr here in, in Washington yeah. State, they might have a license, an ND license in Washington. I think I think New York might be a licensed state. Mm, I don't, it is uh, not? I don't think so. I, I could be wrong, but... I do have some patients in that live in New York, New Jersey, and, and what I do know about it is I think there are some, maybe they're practicing differently, but um, they're very limited on, on what kind of diagnostics they can do. Right. There's, a, there's a lot of restrictions on, on what they can do there. So then state by state, there's kind of restrictions on, you know, what kind of testing they can do and and what, you know, what they can actually do in practice. But yeah, an accredited school, mm-hmm. a degree from an accredited school, number one, and that would be, you know, Bastyr, um, there's Southwest um, College of Naturopathic Medicine. Um, there's um, oh, the one in Portland, they've changed their name. I think it's um, National... College of Naturopathic Medicine, or maybe it's National University of Naturopathic Medicine now, UNUNM. So those are all, you know, good schools. And but there's not a lot of schools, so you're going to have a, you know, you're going to see credentials from a from a few schools, but not many. Right. Um, and then you can go to the different associations, like the National Association websites, mm-hmm. and that's a good way to actually search someone who comes from accredited school. They would have to be a member of the National Association to be on that research finder, but you know you can put in your zip code, and, and it will help you find someone who, who's a part of the national you know, organization. What is that organization? It's called um, the... American Association of Naturopathic Physicians. So it's called the AANP. Okay. Um, and the website is naturopathic.org. Okay. If you go to ANP, I think you'll find the Association of Nurse Practitioners or something. So it's it's naturopathic.org. And so nationwide, that's our national um, you know group. Mm-hmm. And you can't be a member of that unless you've come from an accredited school and all of that. So then you can do a zip code finder and find people. And, you know, sometimes there's some people that are like, you know, 80 miles away or not mm-hmm. even in your state. I mean, usually every state has, I think, someone, mm-hmm. you know. And then when you're when you're limited to those choices, you know, it may not be a good fit, right? you know. At least here in, you know, the Puget Sound, we've, you've got a lot of choices right. to find who's a good fit for you. So to break right. that down for people who, mm-hmm. you know, don't yeah. have never even don't really know what we're talking about and maybe yeah. they're lost just to yeah. break it down. So if you are in a state like Washington here, mm-hmm. naturopathic medicine is regulated almost exactly like uh, MD license where yeah. you have similar training, similar hours, if not more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's you have to go through all of the rigors um, of medical school, of medical school, yeah. and a licensing board. Mm-hmm. If you are so, it's in order to hang a shingle that says you're an ND, mm-hmm. you that means you went through that. Yes. If you if you are in a state that doesn't have that, you could have gone to Trump University online, and you put a shingle up, and no one's going to give you a hard right. time. And you can hang that diploma from Trump University, right? You know, and and just say I'm a naturopath. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, so that's yeah, that's a tricky, tricky one. But if you do your due diligence, you can go to the National Find Association website they went to. Right, and see just who's around, who has gone through the training as if they were practicing mm-hmm. in uh, a state, in an accredited state. Right. So you can make sure that you're going to someone who is trustworthy, who's got medical training, who isn't just a, a chiropractor that went to a, a, you know, a weekend seminar um, because they're out there. 
Yep. And I mean, those folks give you a bad name. Does that make you a little angry? Yeah, they, they do. And, you know, and, and they, yeah, they do, you know, because then we see how that creates some of the view that some of the, you know, I guess I'll call it mainstream medical community views naturopathic physicians, because they'll, they may see a patient who has been, you know, really mistreated, meaning had really poor medical management from someone who claims to be a naturopath or has a degree as a naturopath, but not from accredited school. And then their view of that, you know, that care that patient received, you know, clouds their view of, of what naturopathic medicine is and what naturopathic physicians are. So it does give us a bad name. It's, it's, it's too bad. And that's actually why we need all of our states licensed. Because if all of our states licensed, the people who have degrees like that can't practice. And, um, you know, companies that can churn out degrees that quickly, they can, they can generate a lot of money to maybe, um, slow down that process of licensing a state. Right, right, right. So, yeah. And, um, and, and I mean, you see these stories on the internet, if you're a skeptical person, I mean, this is why I didn't go to see a naturopath for so long, because mm-hmm. you go online, you go, you find all these skeptic websites, and there are people with all kinds of horror stories of, um, you know, people with cancer being prescribed, you know, uh, ridiculous supplements or like castor oil and all these things. Right. That are totally inappropriate, and then you you know there's you just you know it's easy to go online and just write something off with one bad story, but really there's a lot of them I think there's a lot of bad stories, and there's also this like weird there's this weird anti naturopath fringe on the internet, mm-hmm. which is like almost like I don't know it's like oh, like a conspiracy theorist group yeah. the way that they talk in black and white yeah um and yeah, and I think you know that's too bad i I think. Um, I mean, you can take, you know, you can take any bad experience I've seen. I've, you know, I'm, I think I was saying this to you earlier is I'm, I'm always, you know, I've been practiced for over 20 years and, and I am, I don't know why I'm still so surprised at the stories I hear from patients coming to me, what they've been told out there in the medical community, whether it be by, you know, an MD or a nurse practitioner or, you know, even another, you know, chiropractor or naturopath or, or what, what happens out there? I'm like, what is going on? Out? Like what, what are you told? You know, like, um, I mean, I just, they think the way, you know, people get dismissed or, um, they're just, um, you know, like when it comes to, you know, certain types of treatments, they're told that, you know, the completely wrong thing that, you know, that it's harmful or that. And it's, it's not even what, you know, the patient was talking about. So, um, being just mistreated by doctors, like just not being respected, that sort of thing. Definitely. The weird thing I hear is that doctors will tell patients, well, you just have genetic depression. Therefore you need a med for your entire life and there's nothing else you could do about it. Oh yeah. That's like a big yeah, th- that's a big one too. I mean, yeah, certainly, I mean, that one, I don't know if I'm surprised at that because, I mean, that's the only tool in their toolbox. Right. Right. That's what they're trained. That's so, you know, that's what they're good at. Um, I'm not surprised about that. I think I'm surprised about um, just how doctors will not really listen to a patient's symptoms and say, there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. 
clearly there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just that those lab tests are showing, you know, that's not what's, they're not finding it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing where doctors just tell patients, you're just getting older. They're, you know, they're, you're just, yeah, you just need to, I don't know what, they, you know, what they need to do. Yeah. People but they're not get helping like, them. Yeah. They're just like, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing I can do for you. You can't get out of bed, but go do yoga or. But they don't even, they don't even, they don't even say that. They just said, there's nothing I can do for you. There, I don't see anything wrong here. Right. Meanwhile, you know, the patients gain 20 pounds, they're fatigued, their hair is falling out, you know, um, and their lab test looks normal, so there's nothing wrong. Right. Yeah. There's no willingness to dig deeper, and I don't think they have the time. I mean, there's some great doctors out there that, you know, that will dig in, but I, I just hear story after story about, you know, patients just being dismissed. Mm-hmm. And sorry, if you don't feel well, that's all I got, you know. Okay. And just being nice and listening, yeah. we know creates real outcomes difference. Like yeah. people get better mm-hmm. when your doctor listens. And we live in a society where people aren't really listened to. You know, right. this might be the only room where people really are listened to. And that can change mm-hmm. everything for people. Right. Yeah. You know, and um the other thing you're saying with the you know, the people being told that, you know, you're not surprised that people are told they have genetic depression. This is kind of, I've gone back and forth on this because it is in like the alternative psychiatry scene. Mm-hmm. There is kind of this saying like, no, you know, there, there isn't a physiological, um, root of depression and no, it's not genetic. And I know that that's watching my father and then also experimenting with amino acids. I know that's not, you know, I take tyrosine. I feel better in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's not like mm-hmm. I have to be on it for like all this time. Right. Or if I take tryptophan, I can sleep when I can't otherwise. And if I take 5-HTP, it doesn't work. So there's mm-hmm. obviously a metabolic pathway going on there. Right. I mean, as far as, I guess when you say genetic depression, you know, I mean, what does that really mean? We all, it's multifactorial, mm-hmm. you know, but we come into this world with a certain blueprint, right? And then we call that genetics. And, and depending on how we experience our environment, nutritionally, environmental toxins, emotional stressors, experiences that we have, that influences what's expressed and what's not expressed. And so some people, you know, you may living in this world have an increased need for a certain nutrient to keep the wheels turning really well for you and you just keep the machinery going. And if that's not happening, things grind down. So there's maybe a genetic predisposition there, but it's not, I don't know what I call it, genetic it's not depression. Complete, yeah. yeah, but um, you know, it's that individual biochemistry that we start to really dig into and figure out, okay, what is it about you that we need to figure out that you need a lot more of X or we need to get you going in this direction? And that's where we really dig in and start trying to figure that out. What percentage of patients come in here with real, that you've seen with real chronic, long, you know, multi-year depression, can you get feeling better? Or, I mean, let's say 30% there. The, you mean of those people that come in? Yeah. How many people, go, you know, we'll see you for a year or two and say, my depression got, I don't know, a lot better. Really in the 90s. Really? You know? Yeah, in the 90, 90s percent of, where, where they do impro- get improvement. Um, and however we, we, we get there. Um, I can think of a, of a few patients where it was, you know, we're still digging. We're still trying to figure out what is it going to be? What, you know, where do we have to take this? Because it's, it's you know, 
people who have had, you know, um, even, you know, the the ECT treatments or those sort of things. And we're still struggling trying to figure out what it's, what it's going to take. And there's, there's some new things on the horizon that we're trying to figure out, but that, those are the really real outliers um, where we're just really struggling. Uh, and then there are patients where, you know, with just the nutritional or, you know, the supplemental stuff and nutritional stuff that we do and lifestyle stuff, we, you know, I kind of talk about, look, your ditch is so deep right now. We need a medication for a little while to get you out of the ditch so we can get moving and get the rest of the stuff to work and then, and then get off that medication. So sometimes we go that direction too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not opposed to starting someone on a medication if we need it to get that, you know, just to get that little push to get moving so we can get the rest of the stuff to work and then get off the medication. Right. Which I think is so helpful. Cause like, look, look, I mean, it's really about what gets people, what gets people better. That's what I care about. Yeah. You know, and there's a, uh, like everyone, like, I mean, it's just, I live on the internet, right. Cause I've been sick for a long time, but mm-hmm. the conversation meds, no meds. I mean, certain meds like benzodiazepines. I think that's something worth, that's a careful study that we should reevaluate mm-hmm. how doctors prescribe that. But like, just the overall, I just wish the conversation was more what will get you better mm-hmm. and not people fighting over this treatment hurt me, so you shouldn't touch it. People just need to think about the whole picture and, you know, right, yeah. as well as, as well as be, understand that there could be side effects, you know. And risk. Yeah. I mean, every, you know, not every, not everything is, you know, I mean, there are some things I talk about might help, can't hurt, but mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, could hurt. Um, do you have any specific, uh, cases you could say without naming names of that were particularly memorable? You know, I, I, um, I certainly have many, many patients who here, here's the thing that I, that I see a lot that, um, and, and I mean, this can be multiple different people, but is, this is the story. Certain antidepressants patients are on and they work with their, their doc to get off because they're ready to get off of them. And they completely fail. And they're, they come to me back on the medications, disheartened that they've realized now, I can't get off this medication. I'm going to be on it for the rest of my life because getting off of it was a disaster. And what I find over and over again is that is if we give the, the back-end support, meaning the underpinning support nutritionally, and change how they get off of it, because I think all of these titrating down schedules that patients are told are just way too fast, um, we can do it. Mm-hmm. And we've done it, and we've we've done it a lot. You know, me and some of my colleagues here, we've done it. We've done it with multiple patients, able to get them off of their medications when they really felt there was just no way they could, even though they'd had several attempts to, to do that and just couldn't do it. So that's, I mean, that's a really, we see that all the time. That, that's the, that's a big thing. So, and they, they go too fast. They don't have the back end support, what I call it, which is the nutrition. Yeah. So yeah, if you're going off of a medicine where you're not going to have that neurotransmitter, you have to have the base supplements or whatever the base molecules mm-hmm. to plug in those the holes exactly um, yeah let's see i think that's most of what i got let's see what else i got here um, oh, how did you why did you want to do this I never, <laughs> why, did, why did i want to be an naturopath <laughs> i've never heard your story on how you got into this most 
naturopaths um, got into it because somehow they had an experience with a naturopath um, that, you know, light lit their, you know, their, their imagination. And then they decided that's the direction we go. I never had met a naturopath in my life. <laughs> really? I didn't even know where the naturopath was. Uh, but, um, I was always destined to go in the medical field and I actually thought I wanted to be an anesthesiologist. And, um, for various reasons, I was, you know, I was, I was a kid who was always hurt in the hospital and having surgeries and met some really cool doctors and all, all the cool doctors were the anesthesiologists. So I thought, Ooh, that would be cool. I want to do that. Uh, and so in the process of, uh, studying for the MCATs, which are the medical college entrance exam tests and on all of those, I just really did a lot of soul searching. I thought, what am I, why do I want to do this? Do I really want to do this? And I talked to a lot of doctors who were really discouraging about actually going into the field. Just they saw what was coming down the line as far as managed care and they were pretty discouraging. And I, uh, and I always had an interest in, in alternative type medicine things. I had no idea there was a school. I had no idea that people actually, there were practitioners that did this. And, uh, I happened to, um, know a, a man who lived across the street from Bastyr. And I just kind of was talking to him like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. I'm kind of interested. He's like, well, what about Bastyr? I was like, what is that? And uh, he said, it sounds like what you want to do. You should go check it out. So I went to the school, sat in on multiple classes. And then that next fall, I was enrolled. Cool. In how, school. How was that experience? It was, I don't know. Medical school is like, you know. It's hard. I don't, I don't know. I don't even remember. Like sometimes I think, did I really even go to school for, I don't even, you know, like, was it a bad, a bad memory? Like that we blank out, but, um, it, it, it is a, it is a unique experience and it, it was a good experience. You, you create, you create really tight relationships, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of, you know, late nights and studying and, but it, it was, you know, I would never have not done it. Mm-hmm. I, I have no regrets that I went this direction. Um, I have so much more latitude in what I can do with patients and what we can, the possibilities we can entertain. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think if I was in the, you know, really the dogma of the, of the MD pathway where they're really, you know, they're really, I think, channeled into these really tight protocols and, and a lot of them don't really I think maybe it's beaten out of them in medical school. I don't know. They don't really have this curiosity to really look outside or the time or, mm-hmm. you know, they, they really, and I, I like to do that. I'm re- really interested in what's new and what, what can we do next and how can we look at this and how can we think about this? So, and that's what this profession affords, mm-hmm. you know, affords us to be able to do is really dig in and look at someone individually and try to figure out what, what we need to do that's going to help them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's hard for me to imagine why if you have a chronic problem, you wouldn't want to entertain that, you yeah. know, to get to the bottom of it. And, and, and the successes are so gratifying, mm-hmm. you know? Okay, two more, if that's okay. Um, why don't more people know about naturopathic medicine? Why isn't this just a staple where, you know, you're in high school and you go to the naturopath and you have a problem? Or, you know, why don't people grow up with this? Why isn't this in our culture? I don't know. You know, you'd probably want to have that question to my colleague here, who's the president of our Washington State Association. He would probably have a lot to say about that. Um, But I I do think that um, it's just access. I just 
don't think people have access. And, and um, you know, initially, I mean, one of our big wins many years ago was just getting insurance coverage for our care. And, uh, you know, for, for many years, you know, it was something you just went to and paid out of pocket. And when you can, you know, when people have insurance and they go to the doctor, they just don't have access financially. Um, now a lot more people do. And then the availability, you know, I mean, there are not, I mean, even though there's a lot of us, when you compare it, there's just not, you know, and there's probably reasons historically and politically for that over many years, you know, with AMA and all these other things. And I know there was a history behind that, but I'm not as, I, I can't rattle it off to you like my colleague could, mm-hmm. but it, it, we'll it, set that it, up. It, it's, yeah, it, you, you really should talk to him. Um, it really is access, you know, that's not great mm-hmm. and, and availability. Yeah, that's really what it is. If you're yeah. poor, you're not going to be shelling out. But here, like, I don't know if you do, but a lot of naturopaths even take Medicaid. Yeah, the state of Washington. Yeah. So um, if you're a poor person and you're on the public health insurance, you can actually go see a naturopath. Yes, is that yeah. is that just Washington or do you it's know? state by state? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's state by state. And um, Medicare, not because Medicare is more of a federal program, and uh, so and because we're not really recognized by all all states. I believe that's why it is that, you know, Medicare doesn't pay for our service. They don't recognize us. It's not that we don't take Medicare. Medicare doesn't take us. So people have secondaries and, and supplementals um, that can sometimes cover if they're Medicare. Um, but yeah, our, our teaching clinic at our school, they, you know, they do Medicaid. There's other, you know, other docs that do. Yeah. But still, you know, as far as access as well, we have the care, you know, and the intake and all of that that we can do. But a lot of our treatment plans sometimes include herbs, vitamins, minerals, some individual amino acid supplementation. It's expensive. And, yeah. And it can really add up because no insurance pays for that. They'll pay for a drug that your insurance gets billed, you know, $500 for. Sure. But a bottle that costs $40 of a supplement, that's on you. Yeah. And then that can start adding up. So um, that's where, you know these flex plans that patients have or health savings accounts, they can use that to offset the cost of that. But that's, that's kind of their own, you know, their own pre-tax dollars, but at least it can offset those people that have those kind of plans. So we get, I guess you can call there's some coverage for it, but not like you would a prescription. And not enough. Yeah. I would love, I mean, I would love to get my supplements from a pharmaceutical grade, you know, place yeah. that would be awesome because you still i mean you get stuff from amazon you don't know how long it's been sitting there i mean you don't know what kind of warehouse it's been in and exactly. how you know blazing hot it's been where it's been sitting or you know there's some stories of counterfeit stuff out there i, I don't know how prevalent that is but yeah it's a it, it is a real thing but it also frustrates me the media coverage like pbs had a documentary there was an article this week where they said okay for brain supplements they don't work we tested this supplement called horny goat triple x and there and it, it didn't do anything <laughs> therefore your, vi- your vitamin d doesn't yeah. work your magnesium doesn't work like, yeah. like and that frustrates so much ignorance that's not to say there isn't a reason to look at where your supplements are coming from, what testing is done, the reputation of the yeah. custom, uh, of, of the company, and also reviews. Because and with, with you know with a good eye, if you go on Amazon with a good eye, no, don't just look at the stars. 
click in, if you see it's like the same kind of language, that's obviously a fake review. Uh, if someone is dealing with your kind of chronic illness, you'll know people sound different, the, the, the posts are different lengths, and I've found good supplements that oh, way. But you, wow. have, you gotta be an eagle eye if you're trying to save money, and goodness knows I am trying to save money. But, sure, uh, yeah, yeah. And sometimes that, you know, that when we're starting with someone, sometimes that shelf of supplement bottles looks like a shrine. Yeah. Because sometimes we have to do a whole lot of stuff. And then, I mean, that's never my goal, but sometimes it starts out that way. And then we try to pare it down as much as we can. Right, 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 right. So one question I ask everybody on this show, podcast, platform. Yeah. If there, I mean, there's a lot of people right now listening who are really struggling. Today, they're in a lot of pain. They haven't really, this is a new conversation for them. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you would just say to them? As far as if someone would just, you know. If you met someone on the bus and they're like, you know, I never really looked into naturopathic medicine. Um, I've tried all the meds and, yeah. you know, I really think I'm out of options. You yeah. Know? Well, I would say, number one, don't give up because there's there's definitely an option out there. Uh and I, I typically, you know, people, I don't, not knowing what their, you know, what their situation is insurance wise or financially or anything like that, I would definitely steer them to, you know, look into working with a naturopath and, you know, especially with the, you know, the financial, um, constraints that some people have, I would go to one of the teaching clinics. I would, I would, if you could get to one of the schools and work with that, I would start there, um, see someone, you know really see someone who's either a functional medicine doctor or if you, you know, if you can't find a naturopathic physician, but do that. And if you can't even do that, just get some frozen organic vegetables and start there (laughs) and start taking a little bit of fish oil. Yeah. I mean, just, just start working on, you know, eating better, really. There's a lot of low hanging fruit out there. There is. And there's, and, and, you know, there is no supplement that's going to make up for a poor diet. Mm, it's good know. to think about. Yeah. So you, you do have to start with some eating, you know, some healthy eating habits, whatever you can do. It's important. It is. Is, is it, I mean, it, it, a lot of people think, you know, like I said, like you can't, that people think that it, it can't make that big a difference. How big of a difference can diet make when it comes to depression? It probably makes up more than 50% of the difference. Wow. Way more, maybe even way more in some cases, at least 50%. That's an amazing thing to think about. Yeah. Anything we didn't cover that, how do people find you or anything else you want to talk about or anything you want to clarify? Yeah, no, I I think, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, people, people find us, you know, we have a, we have a clinic here in Seattle and, um, where our clinic's name is Institute of Complementary Medicine. Pretty easy to find the, on the web. We call it IC Medicine for short. So you can just find our website, find our webpage. We have several doctors here, all great doctors. Uh, so, you know, we're here in Seattle. You guys do Skype as well or? We don't do Skype, but we do sometimes do phone consults. But um, basically how we practice is usually we do phone consults for patients who um, we've established care with. So they would probably need to do at least a one in-person visit with us. And then, you know, some follow-ups on, on the, you know, on phone consults. Not quite Skype at this point, but. 
But yeah, if someone's like just fell in love with you on this uh, podcast, yeah. they could fly to Seattle, see you, and then go home and yeah, and then we can start it. Yeah, we could start a plan, and you know maybe do a few things through email, some phone follow ups, and um, depending on the licensure laws, sometimes you know legally we have to see someone in face to face at least once a year for certain things. So, but you know I have patience. I have patience in Canada and patience on the East Coast and. We make it work. What? Okay. Well, last, last, last question. Just for resources, it, books. Any mm-hmm. anywhere to if people are just like interested. Anything you would just like uh, encourage them to be checking out? Yeah. I mean, as far as I mean, just under you know, learning more about naturopathic medicine and and all of that. I mean, I think there's a great book, the Encyclopedia of Natural Medicine. You know, I mean, that's that's a great book, and and it's written by some of our great you know elders in, in, in our profession. And I mean, that's a great, that's a great tool to just pull out and start reading about some different nutrients and different things like that. Just, I would do that one. All right. If you want to get your nerd on. Yeah. Encyclopedia Encyclo- of Natural Medicine. Yeah. Encyclopedia of Natural Medicine. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank it's you. really been yeah. an honor and pl- privilege. I'm so glad we finally were able to do this and yeah. hopefully, uh, we can spark some new ideas in folks that, um, are thinking that they need some more options because there's a lot of folks out there that need some more options. Yeah, I really hope so. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Mental Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please consider supporting us at mentalhealthmedia.org where you can make a tax-deductible contribution and sign up for our mailing list and all of our socials. Special thanks to Tamara Broadhead and Patrick Mohan who helped bring you this episode today. No content provided by Mental Health Media is intended to be medical advice or medical care. Please do not make any changes to your care plan based on any content on the podcast or on mentalhealthmedia.org. Do not delay in getting care because of any of our content. Talk to your healthcare professional if you have questions about your health. And until next time, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Zookman. Um, where uh, in between episodes I post several articles every single day. Stay in touch. Until next time, I'll see you later. Zeigesund!